All right, praise the Lord. Let's go to Genesis 22. Genesis chapter 22. Now, this is a classic passage in your Bible. And I uh, hope if you haven't already got it kind of embedded in your mind that Genesis 22 is the offering of Isaac by Abraham. And by the way, he did offer him. Uh, and you'll say, well, he didn't. Well, he did both. So let's watch. Now, it's a passage that has typology in it. It is a passage that has teachings in it. It has tests in it. For example, in chapter 22, verse 1 of uh, Genesis, I trust if you have access, you'll get your Bible out in front of you. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, the amazing thing about your Bible, your English Bible, you know what I'm going to say, your King James Bible. The amazing thing about it is how God takes and puts words in different places for us. For example, it says he did tempt Abraham. So somebody who wants to be a little skeptical or analytical will say, well, James says that God is not tempted with any evil, neither tempteth any man. Well, then you're going to limit yourself to one use of a word in English that has many. For example, in Hebrews eleven seventeen, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And so the idea is that the temptation is a trying, a testing, okay? Now, before we go too much further, just get a couple thoughts in your mind as we read it, instead of getting them after you read it. One is, for example, that God will take you further in if you'll go further in. Salvation is a beginning. It's a new birth, according to the New Testament. And so when you come to Christ, God will take you as close into him as you'll go. That's why in a practical application, he says in Corinthians that he said, I'll be a, you'll be sons and daughters unto me. That's practical. We know we're just the sons of God, but on earth, there's male and female. In heaven, there's no male or female. There's no need for that. And so on, in heaven, we're all like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that just blows people's heads right off these days, but it's a real simple truth. And so God will take you further in if you'll go. But God must have what you love most. Okay? So he says that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am at your service. I'm right here, Lord. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. You might, I got a little written in the margin of my Bible, one step at a time. He said, I'll tell you when you get there. So he's going to ask him to offer up what he loves most. God must have what you love most. And so he, what he really wants is you to love him most. If you wanted to sum up the tragedy of the human race, People say, how did we get to where we're at? We've already been, always been there, and that is a fallen world. People have mistaken some civility, some so civilized, supposedly civilized culture. They have, they have 
confuse that with the fact that the world lies in sin as the sin nature. They've confused that when it comes to trying to figure out how someone who's a professing Christian could do something. And by the way, uh, someone say they would, let's say someone goes out and they murder someone. All right, that's horrible. According to God, one of the things that really offends him is someone who gossips and lies. Go to Proverbs chapter 6, etc. So he's saying to, to him, and, and as I was saying about the human race, when Adam chose to die with Eve, your Bible says she was deceived. The old enemy, Satan, the serpent got her, but he didn't get Adam. Adam just chose to love her more than God. <clears throat> and so that's why we're in the mess we're in. It's not, you can't attribute it to her. So God wants what you have, what you love most. But God will not ask, these are just introductory remarks, but God will not ask from you what he will not do. God will not ask from you what he will not do. So how so? Well, when he created Adam, he knew it was going to cost him himself. When the Son of God died, God gave himself. He's part of God. In creating Adam, God ensured that he would need to give himself for us. And then he did. He went through it. And then the Son went through it in obedience. And our subject today is no substitute for obedience. Now, in all through your Bible, you're going to find places where this theme, this truth is borne witness to, okay? And just, you ought to note that in your mind. For example, in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And this is Samuel speaking to King Saul over some simple things in the eyes of man. So when I say these things, they're they're deeply founded in scripture. There is no substitute for obedience. Obedience is better than even sacrifice. We're going to see the culmination, the full 360 of that in this passage as we read it and study it. So he tells him to go there and he says, I want you to take your son and offer him there. And Abraham rose up early, this is verse 3, in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. So they're taking these donkeys or mules. They're both called that in different places in your Bible. So he's taking these sure-footed animals and off they go. That is why uh, the male and female of the donkeys and mules of the donkeys is the male's a jack and the female's referred to as a jill. So a jackass, when you call somebody a jackass or you think it or you, you let somebody else do it because you're too spiritual to do so, it's like saying you're like a male donkey, okay? And 
That's nothing to be proud of and it's nothing to brag on and it's definitely nothing to make entertainment out of. Amen. So Abraham gets up early in the morning after God says go and he takes off and he takes Isaac, his son, and he claved the wood for the burnt offering. He split it, tied it up in a bundle, put it on the donkey, on the ass, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. So we'll comment up to this part. Have you not heard it said, you know, that the Far Eastern motto is the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step? Well, they got that from the, the teachings of the Bible. They're not going to give the Bible credit. They want to have their own Eastern religion. And by the way, there's Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Get off the ark. Japheth is the European conquering one. Ham settles in Africa. And Shem is the Easterner. So the Easterner is, has more of that kind of religion, more similar to a Bible worship than the, any of the three races or divisions. So in that Far East, the idea is this, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. You've got to start somewhere. The journey of faith is like that. And may I say this to you, that biographies are a blessing. When you read biographies of people who really trusted Christ and you know they became well-known enough or their biography became well-known enough that people read it, testimonies, they're good. But the greatest need is connecting the walk of faith, the one step at a time faith to our everyday life. That's the key. No one's ever going to read my bio. No one's hardly ever going to know I lived or hear of it. But God is recording it and God is watching it. It's not because you and I are so very important. And that, see, that little subtle twist, dear friend, is where the positivism and the, all that stuff, you know, comes in. No, it's not that I'm so important and you say, well, he loves me so much. Okay. He said, I love them that love me. Now he so loved the world that he gave his son. So God reached out his hands on that cross and said, I'll take whomsoever will. They may come. And then you come to Christ and he loves you enough to die for you. The next step is yours and mine. Will I love him back? And if I will love him back, then he'll love me back. And if I love him more, he loves me more. You say, well, then he doesn't love everybody the same. Of course not. He can't. That would be the greatest perversion of love in the world. You say, well, he has to love everybody the same. He died for him. He died to save him. And after that, he looks to see who will love him. I love them that love me, he said. Well, that's just, that makes all the sense in the world. That's, and that's how we ought to be. Now, that doesn't mean we don't sacrifice for others. We don't give ourselves like Christ did, like Paul said he did. But when you love in the wrong way someone who is not loving God and not doing right, you're perverting the love of God. So, point number one, three little points today. Obedience is the first step. Journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. The journey of faith begins with one step. First step, ready? It says, verse three, 
Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, and Clavenwood. Now, you say, why did he take two of his young men with him? Well, if two are better than one, a threefold cord is not easily broken. He's smart. He, they're fixing to travel. There's no, there's no uh, radios. There's no telegraph. There's no cell phones. It's you. And it's you and whoever's with you against whoever happens to come along. And it was, it'd make the Wild West look tame, amen, in those days. Obedience is the first step. He rose up and went. So in our life, one of the greatest things that we should consider, focus on, prepare our hearts every day for, is just letting God lead us in our everyday things. Obedience is the first step. Let God lead you by your daily decisions. Oswald Chambers has a couple of wonderful devotions throughout the year in the book that she put together called uh, My Utmost for His Highest because timing is so much with God. You know, I've been in situations in my own life to where the timing was everything. I had an amazing thing happen one time and just... it was just a normal day. It was Saturday, and uh, I was headed off to a bus captain's meeting and stuff, and some of the young men on the bus route, we would sometimes get together for a cup of coffee and, and talk a little bit, talk some Bible before the meeting, and one of the fellows said, could we go to this other place? We always went to one place, and he said, I, I really like the coffee over there, and their coffee was horrible. I don't know why I liked it, but so I said, all right, fine, we'll go. And I went... And sat down, and we did a little Bible talking and stuff, and I had to leave early to go to the captain's meeting, and they were going to come later. I went out, got in the old truck, was leaving, and that young man came out and said, stop, 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 there's somebody in here that says they know you. I said, that's not possible. He said, he does know you, and he's from down under, he's from Australia, where I used to live for years and years as a missionary. And <clears throat> I said, come on, man, I got to go. He said, no, come in, please. And I went in, and the long and short of it, and God used this man to, to answer several prayers, long stand, years and years of prayers. But here's how crazy life is. He and one of his teenage daughters were traveling through the United States on their way to go to another country to look at an orphanage to support. And they stopped in this town to look at the evangelistic bus ministry. And they came in as we were talking, and Somehow he heard my voice and said he recognized it. And I'm like, how could you recognize my voice? And he was Australian. He's talking. He goes, oh, man, I recognized your voice. When he had come to Christ after years of being out there like, like my family, we're heathen, he got saved there in Australia, and some gave him a shoebox of cassette tapes. Yeah, they used to really do that. They didn't have, you know, well, first it was, you know, albums, <laughs> vinyl, then it was cassette tapes, and then, of course, it was CDs, and then it, now it's everywhere. And in that shoebox were cassette tapes of me preaching in a little country town for seven or eight years where I had started there in Oz. Through that chance meeting, and I say it tongue-in-cheek, through that providential divine appointment, God answered a, several just deep burdens of mine, heartfelt burdens. All because he led me by a simple decision to go ahead and 
do what that young fellow wanted. Obedience is the first step. So Abraham, he gets up on day one and he goes. He gets up on day two and he goes, and you know it's three days because in verse four, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. So point number two is, <laughs> you know it already, don't you? Ready? Obedience is the second step. First step, got up in the morning and headed out. Second step, obedience. See, there's a time when you obey without having to hear again. I've listened to Doc's ad-lib commentary and he'll sometimes talk about it and he'll say, you know, at night, Abraham might have sat by the fire and said, Lord, do, do I keep going? Do I keep, did I hear you right? Do I keep going? And it was just quiet, silence. Why? Because God had already told him. There's times when you've got to do that. There's times that, that once you've begun your walk in light of your moment of light, you keep going. My grandma used to say, from, she was from West Virginia, bless her heart, she'd say, that's no hill for a stepper, Mikey. And my point is this, <coughs> is we have to understand that obedience is the first step. We hear his voice, we obey him. It can be a little nudging like that. And I could give you, I can't tell you how many, and, and like I said, nobody's going to read my bio. Nobody's going to know about anything God did in my life. And yet he's doing it in your life, in my life. He's doing it constantly. This thing of directing us, of divine appointments, of answers to prayer. Obedience is the first step, but obedience is the second step. And many times that's without further light. So there's a sense in which we have to obey what we've heard first. They used to say, obey your last command. Obey your most recent command. If you haven't had other orders issued, you haven't had, then do it. And so Abraham, he goes the first day, starts second and third day. The second step is to continue to obey. Then on the third day, verse four, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. Now it's pretty obvious that Abraham has some faith at work. He has no idea how that's going to happen. He has every intention of obeying God, but he has faith at work. He's trusting God. So Abraham, verse 6, took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac, his son. He's carrying it. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, an amazing uh, prophetic teaching here, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, if he had offered, if he offers up Isaac, did God not provide Isaac? Yes. It was a miraculous birth. It was beyond reason. In fact, it was humanly impossible for Sarah to conceive and bear Isaac. You say, well, it wasn't impossible for Abraham. That's true. We know that by him having uh, Hagar as his wife. The Bible calls him his wife, okay, and having Ishmael. So God, he says God will provide himself. And they 
came, verse 9, to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. These next steps, your second steps of obedience, are in light of what you already told. Beware of thinking that you have to have constant instructions, constant affirmations. Unless God says otherwise, you just keep going, step by step, okay? And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abraham, in his mind, offered up Isaac before he ever left on day one. This is really important because now we're going to spend a few minutes on, on a great example of how God will lead us and deal with us. Now, he will not deal with you this way if you in your mind are finagling and uh, rationalizing and manipulating. I don't know if you get this yet or not, but God can read your mind and he can read every single mind on the face of the earth at the same time. I don't have any idea how he does that. I just know he's infinite and he can do it. And the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Behold, evil and good. All those verses go together. So the Lord sees Abram and he stressed, as far as Abraham concerned, from day one, this is going to happen. It's a done deal. I'm just going to keep taking my steps of obedience. This is so important. I, I could give a, a dozen, two dozen example. I, I could spend hours giving examples of specific ways in which God does that. But I really believe that the Holy Spirit will apply it to your heart and your day. He's, he is going to do this. He's committed to it. And then in verse 11, and the angel of the Lord called him to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. I have no doubt in my mind he had to say it twice to get Abraham's attention because he is focused. He might have tears running down his face. He, this is his promised son. He waited so many years to have. This is, uh, there, there's no uh, hope or promise that, that Sarai, Sarah can have another child. I mean, this is everything to him. This is how God was going to fulfill the multiplying of the seed beyond the stars and the sky and the sands on the, on the sea. Tears may have been rolling down his face. His hand may have been quivering. And he, but he is determined to obey God. You say, well, could obedience to God really feel that way? Absolutely it can. Because we're still stuck on this human earth and we're still stuck in these human bodies. If our Savior, if the Son of God could say, let this, if it be possible, let this cup pass me. If he could say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If he could do that, then we could have a little bit of conflict in obedience in the will of God. But the angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, verse 12, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. And then he makes a statement here that I can't totally figure out, but I, can, I get it in my heart and mind. I don't know if I can put it into words. I've tried for years, decades. But he says this. Now, before I say that, you ready? Does God know everything? Yeah. Can God see the future as the past? Yeah, because he's always God. He never did exist or get birth. He never will cease to. 
He knows everything. Omniscient, we call it in a theology. But he says this, For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So there's some things that are in theory, even with God, until we demonstrate them. I don't know how that works. I'm sure either we'll know as soon as we're translated, you know, into that new body, new heart, new mind, all that, or he might give us examples, explain it, whatever it is. Someday we'll know, but right now I don't, but he said, for now I know. So that tells me that there are things that we come up against and God says, unless I take you through this, I won't know and evidently you won't know about obedience. There is no substitute for obedience. So point number three. Now watch verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. So he stopped that knife. Now listen, God said, you're going to do this. He made up his mind. I'm committed to do it. Day one, day two, gets up day three in the morning. They climb the mountain. He binds him. He puts him on the altar. He raised that knife. I'm Lord, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to sell you out. I'm going to trust you. And then he said, stop, Abraham. Verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes, looked, behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Meaning that this ram is caught by his horns and there's no, no blemish, no mark in him. So he is... He qualifies to be a substitute on the altar. And he, Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord will see and provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Point number three. Point number one, obedience is your first step. Point number two, obedience is your second step. The first step, you have light. You have command. You have direction. Second step is in light of the light and no, no necessarily further light. Third step. Ready for this? Ready? Obedience is always the next step. Obedience is the next. You say, what do you mean? Okay, hold it. He said, offering. He made up his mind. He did the first step by faith. He did the second step by faith with no other prompting. And now his step of faith is to not do what he set out to do. I, I, I'm going to pause on purpose. I want you to stop a minute and think with me. His step of faith now is to not do what he set out to do. Think about it a minute. Just let it sink in. Do you know it takes more faith once you've determined God wants you to do something. It takes more faith to not do it by God's prompting not to do it than it would be to go through with it. For example, it creates all kind of doubt when people... I'm going to give you a couple quick... These are just big illustrations. And I've seen it happen. I'm not just making it up. You know, one fellow said, he said, this is a, this is a real story. It's not just preaching, okay? <laughs> I've seen God take a man, 
touch him and say, I want you to go to the mission field. I've seen God take a man, a man I'm thinking of more than once, but one particular, and and he had a really good situation, great employment. He was, you know, in good shape. He wasn't running from anything. And it took a while for him to say, okay, I'll do it. And he did that obedience of the first step. He declared it, said that's what God wanted him to do, and he set out to do the obedience of the second step. He started heading that way, getting ready to sell stuff, getting ready to relocate, getting ready to do deputation and get support, etc. And as he got through that second step and was ready to do just like Abraham and put the knife to it, the Lord said, that's not what we're going to do here. I want you to go ahead and work your job and do that, but I, I want you to do maybe this or that within the church or do this or that. And God said, and God did this. Now watch. I didn't mean he, I don't mean he stopped short. He was determined. Do you know what his greatest temptation was? He and I talked about it. He said, my greatest temptation was to think that if I didn't go through with this, something's wrong. And then the second greatest temptation was that his friends, the brethren, the Christians were giving him all kind of grief about it. And they obviously have never read Genesis 22, or if they had, they had not make the connection. Okay? It takes more faith once you determine to do it to not do it. To, to obey God and not do it. That takes some faith. Now, here's where, I, where it's a big deal. Abraham had to believe. See, Abraham, here's the main thing he needed to believe was that God was satisfied with him not killing Isaac. That it was still obedience. Now, some of y'all, here's how you work. God tells you to do something. You, don't, you, you dread doing it or it's a big price and you head out and you're, in your mind, you're trying to, to figure that God will give you the ram when you get to the point and you aren't really going to have to do it. So you go ahead and offer to do it anyway. I've known people, literally, could, I could call out their name. I've known people who dealt with God that way. And later they'd say to me, because some of them, you know, I worked with them. I was their pastor. And <laughs> they said, you know, this is not what I figured was going to happen. A couple of them got kind of out. Of, oh, they're in church and all that, but they're not following their calling. They're not following their calling because they didn't want to give their Isaac. And they just figured when it comes down to it, God's not going to make me give my Isaac. He's not going to expect it of me. Well, God wasn't, if he gave Isaac, what Abraham believed was God was going to have him offer Isaac and raise him from the dead. Because Isaac, by the way, the types and all that in this Bible, Abraham, a type of the father, Isaac, a type of the son. But when you get to the point of it, that ram took Isaac's place. Okay. That's the main point of what I'm talking to you about today. No substitute for obedience. If he had offered Isaac after the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, lay not thine hand upon the lad. If he'd gone ahead and offered him, that would have been disobedience. So I'm not talking about trying to manipulate God and figure in your mind, you know, got this little safety valve going. I don't mean that. But I'll tell you what I do mean. I'll tell you what I do believe with all my soul. I do believe that if we're not careful, 
we might get that first step. We might get that second step and we're going to miss the next step. Obedience is always the next step. I'm not talking about getting cold feet. Look at the story. You say, aren't you afraid to preach and teach this? No, not at all. I know this. This has helped a lot of people. In my own life, I've had times when God would say, here's what I want. And man, take that first step, commit. Take that second step by faith that you heard him right the first time by faith. And you get right up to a certain situation. Lord say, now here's what I'm actually going to do. But now I know. Now I know. Verse 12. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. But it had to be after, in my mind, there was no backup plan. Uh, there was no, oh, well, he's, gonna, he's not really going to ask me to do it. It's going to be okay any minute now. There was none of that. None of that whatsoever. No substitute for obedience. Obey God. When God nudges you, do something. Just do it. You know, you, you never know what you might miss by not doing something. A little while back, in fact, this happened several times the last three months. Lord just kind of out of the blue laid on my heart to go do something for somebody. <clears throat> and I loaded up and went and did it. And the events that coincided with me doing it were amazing, both how it helped them, how there's somebody there to help me to accomplish it. It was just amazing. And it was just a simple task. Nobody else is going to ever, you know, it's not going to be in some bio somewhere or on the, and, and I don't put that junk on any kind of social media. It just, it just happens in your life. But I'm trying to encourage you that God knows and God sees, and it builds your relationship with him. God will take you further in if you'll go. And he's got to have what you love most. And he will not ask from you what he will not do. That journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Ready? Obedience is the first step. You're obeying the instructions. Obedience is the second step. You're obeying the instructions without further instructions. But then obedience is always the next step. Even if he says, no, don't do that. I'm satisfied with that. Here's what we're going to do. You, there's no telling. And I would imagine, within the sound of my voice, there's somebody sitting there, hopefully many, somebody sitting there nodding their head going, yeah, I remember God said do this and this. I, I, there have been times God told me to give something. I gave it. And within 24 hours, he turned around and gave it right back in a different way. Was I giving to get it back? No. As far as I was concerned, it was gone and However I got by, I was going to get by. And sometimes it was, you know, a big deal what I did. In my mind, not in God's mind. He ain't worried. Corey Ten Boom said, God has plans, not problems. There is no panic in heaven. So I would really encourage you today. Remember, no substitute for obedience on both ends of this process. Father, use these thoughts we pray. We pray with all our heart in Jesus' name. Amen.